Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the fish in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the end of the lesson. This is my Silver Jubilee sermon. 25 years ago, this week, 
I preached here for the first time. And it's so lovely to have you here. Oh, the Lord has sent an angel from the Czech Republic to just encourage me. Oh, bless you. Welcome. Jesus called out to them. He wanted them to hear this. Friends, haven't you any fish? And there's no deceiving Jesus. They had to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. No. It's a tremendous passage. The title in our Bibles over the top of the NIV is Jesus and the Miraculous Catch of Fish. It actually wasn't particularly miraculous. On the bank where he was, bearing in mind this is not the sea that we tend to think of, it's, 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 it's a clear sea, it's a, a pure sea, it's fresh water down there. He'd already obviously caught a couple for his breakfast himself and he'd got them on the, on the barbecue, on the beach, already going. He knew where the fish were. The trouble is the disciples, led by professional fishermen, and I'm certainly not one of those. Come to Shetland with me, I'll, I'll introduce you to professional fishermen, fishermen that can catch thousands of fish a night. I can't do that. But I can catch them one at a time. And it adds up over the years. So, what's it all about? Well, they got a bit fed up waiting, you see. They were running out of patience. There have been two wonderful reappearances of the Lord after his death. Tremendous. But there was this awful sort of vacuum and, oh, I'm going fishing, says Peter. He, impetuous Peter, you know. He didn't pray about it. He didn't seek any guidance about it. I'm going fishing. And six of the others jumped in the boat with him. Some of them didn't even know how to fish, I'm sure. And they probably made all the noise in the world and frightened all the fish towards where Jesus was, quietly on the beach, just pulling them out. Beware, street pastors, how you do it. Let's look at this in its bigger context. What is this really all about? The moment you hear the word fish, where Jesus is involved, you think of the things of this world. People who need to be found and brought to Jesus are called fish. That's how they are. Fish. And anything that Jesus encountered during his brief ministry involving the world he solved with fish. When he couldn't pay his taxes, what did he do? Caught a fish. And what did it have in it? A coin. Whose head was on it? Caesar's. Okay? So the things of this world are definitely fishy. And at the end of the barbecue, he turns to Peter and says, you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do, yes, yes. 
Yes, yes, oh, I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. And if you notice the next question, love me? Yes, yes, oh, no, no. Feed my sheep. Don't miss the difference. There are lambs and sheep coming next. Lambs grow up. Lambs mature, become sheep. Our duty to make sure that happens. Why? So the sheep can catch fish. That's the cycle. The whole thing about the gospel is creating not churchianity, but Christianity where 50% of our effort goes into catching fish and 50% of our effort goes into feeding them, building them up and creating the next generation of fishermen. In our midst occasionally will be some great men of God. Men of God who the Bible says some evangelists I've had the privilege of meeting one, shaking his hand, Billy Graham. Working with him on two crusades. What a man of God. I could never do that. Never ever could I do that. That's his superb gift. He's a Wesley, he's a Whitfield, he's a Paul, he's a Peter. Those are the evangelists. but I'm a personal evangelist and so could you be nothing that I do you couldn't do I've met so many people who say oh I couldn't do that Christian, a Christian when a Christian tells me I couldn't do that I give them this illustration before I was a Christian when I left college I became something in the city. I had a bowler hat. I had a tightly rolled umbrella as thin as a pencil. And I walked with the clickety-click over London Bridge twice a day. My wife is in hysterics. <laughs> I despised the working classes. We were the elite. We were all good chaps. We didn't get drunk just tiddly and we strutted and unfortunately on the other side of London Bridge from the glorious city of London where the power was and the bonuses were to be found and our futures were eternally secure <laughs> we had to cross the road under the bridge and mix with the working classes briefly before we got in our first class compartments on our trains to suburbia and beyond clickety click the trouble was I then went in the army for two years in forced labour and I managed to become a Christian in the army. When I came out my job was still open to me so I got my bowler out and my umbrella and I started clickety-clicking. There was someone I had noticed over the years. A working class man clearly had a cap and a rather drab suit. 
and he used to stand in the working class bit of London Bridge Station facing us all with a thing that said God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish and we all thought Strut, strut. But now I'm a Christian. I couldn't do that. So I, I used to pray for him as I went by, do him a bit, tickly click. And then January came, and the ice, and the snow, and I'm clickety clicking quite fast over the bridge now. And there he is. His fingers were blue as he held the pole. And I prayed for him. And God said, for goodness sake, Mike. And I looked to my left and there was a stall with red hot super peppermints. So I grabbed a big tube and I went to him and I said, here our brother, warm yourselves up with this. You look awful. Oh, thank you, brother, he said, handing me the pole. <laughs> and he took his time to warm his fingers up and slowly opened the tube and eat them one at a time. I'm still holding the pole. And they're coming by, clickety-click. And you could see they weren't clickety-clicking in the same way. One of us, one of the chaps has got the pole. Good heavens. And then I started recognising my colleagues from work. Ah! I went to work the following week. Oh. My secretary said, saw you on London Bridge. I said, yeah, admired you for that. Oh, I'd like to become a Christian. Oh. Took her home to Anne. Got it? Beginning to see it? I couldn't do that. I did. I could. Found one of these, the back of the church. They've been in a rack there. They were beginning to curl over. They've been there so long. Peace with God, Billy Graham. Super little booklet. Tells you how to find the Lord and become a Christian. It's really, it's lovely. It's not one of these Northern Irish things that really upsets you the moment you open it. You know, you're all doomed and you're going to hell and you're oh, no, It does it gently and it does it sensibly and sympathetically. So Anne and I thought we'd try them out. Let's see if they work this weekend. We went down to London on the National Express. Now, if you pick up dynamite and then you pray to the Lord, Lord, if this dynamite, you wanted to go off anywhere, I'm willing to hand it on. What happens? We got to London. Would you believe it? As we got to London, our coach left. I saw it go for the next place two and a half hours to wait oh. no two and a half hours Victoria coach station so we sat down and Anne, we just sat down and the woman next to Anne 
started talking to her. She poured her heart out. She'd been bereaved 15 years earlier. Lovely lady. German she was. Heartbroken. She'd never begun to get over it. And then listened to her and listened to her and listened to her. And when she ran out of breath, I quietly said, you're so lonely, aren't you? What you need is a good church. Well, why? I said, oh, in my church, they have lunches for people your age. We've got house groups you could go to each week and get some fellowship and friendship. What sort of church is that, she said. I said, well, how's this Church of England? It's not like that where I am. I said, no, they're not all the same. Sadly, some churches are asleep and some churches are awake. You want to find one that's awake. There'll be one. You have a look for it and see. Oh, yes, well, I will. And here's something to read on the coach. Now, we didn't lead it exactly to the Lord, but she's in the right direction, isn't she? We were feeling a triumph. I turned to the lady sitting next to me, a rather fierce-looking lady of about... How old am I? Forty? Eating the most delicious curry. The smell of it was. And I'd not eaten since breakfast and I'd only got a measly sandwich and God. So I turned to her and I said, uh, oh, if that's as good as it smells, it's great. And in a lovely Eastern European accent, she said, Oh well, uh, yes, 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 it's good, yes. I said, are you from the Czech Republic? She said, I'm from Poland. I said, oh, you're one of these Polish Catholics that are pouring into our country, eh? So she said, yes, but not too much of the Catholic on. I've dropped most of that. I said, oh, well, you're just a lapsed Catholic. She said, no, I'm a lesbian. I prefer women. I said, isn't that wonderful? I fully agree with you. (laughs) And she was expecting me to argue with her. She was expecting to have a fight. I just loved her. And when we got on the coach, she was on our coach, she made a point of sitting next to me. On the way back, it was a woman of the Islamic faith who thought there was something in the Jesus story she needed to know and she was exploring it. And then gets her in the bus shelter. Thank God we had to wait half an hour for the bus. I now love missing buses. (laughs) Have you got the message? Look, this morning, when you come out and take communion, I want you to consider doing something. You've had the bread, you've had the wine. I've put these little booklets, Peace with God, all round the front here. Pick up one or two of them yourself, if God has suggested that you should. Put it in your pocket, like me, so that if you get the opportunity... You can take it. You see, you might not 
be an evangelist in as much as you could lead them all the way. Although, if you wanted to, I'd gladly train you to do that, just as they train sleep pastors. We can all do that, you know. We can all catch fish with a little rod. And That's how I caught my first fish, literally. A bamboo rod, a piece of string, and a bit of bread. And popped it in, and out came the fish. Usually the first fish you catch is the easiest. Pick one up, take it, pray about it. Don't just give it to anybody, pray and let it go. I've had another one already. At the bus stop, girl, 29, head down, in pain, quietly, just, hello. You're suffering, aren't you? Yes, I am. Want to share it? Oh, um, I was a school teacher and I just couldn't take the kids any longer and I've cracked up and I've completely stressed out and they said it's ME. And none of the medication's working. I'm at my wit's end. Have you tried prayer? No. It'll work if you do. Thank you. And then the bus came. But when she got off the bus, she gave me the sweetest smile. Now, you could do that, couldn't you? You could give one to the postman, couldn't you? The milkman, couldn't you? Or whoever. Jesus said, I, without exception to his disciples, will make you fishers of men and women if you follow me. Got it? Do pick some up. It took me ages to kneel down and put them all there. I'd be very grateful to see them out. Take them with you. Use them. But before I get down off this pulpit, look, Fish breathe different air to sheep. Something happens. Our job is to bring in the fish. Somehow they get turned into sheep and then we've got to look after them. The somehow bit in the middle is the work of the Holy Spirit on a person's heart and life. I can't do that. I can only lead people to Jesus. He's up there on his throne, but his Holy Spirit's down here. And he's the one who comes into us and gives us the ability to breathe spiritual air. We need to be able to do that. Because at the second coming of Jesus, if we can't breathe that air, and he was to take us up, we would not survive in heaven. It's absolutely vital that we're not fish when Jesus comes again we're sheep vital not goats, not fish, not anything else sheep who know the master's voice I just want to say this it's possible to hide in a congregation like this for years and when we give the peace to each other 
to feel like a fish out of water because it doesn't seem to work for you in the same way. To even come up and take communion and you can see it's not doing the same for you as it's doing for some of the others who are being built up in their faith. It might be that it's because you're still a fish. And I want you to be sure this morning that you're a sheep. If you've the slightest doubt about your salvation, just stand up now and I will pray for you and the doubts will go. I'm giving 10 seconds. Right. So we're all Christians. So we're all sheep. And our master's voice says, go and make disciples. Half our effort bringing them in. Half our effort building them up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may your word indeed reach our hearts and inspire our faith to action that the church might grow and your sacrifice, Lord Jesus, in no way be wasted during these days. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit go with us as we go out into the world as fishers of men. And grant us, Lord, grant us, Lord, a netfall in the months to come as we work together in your royal service. Amen. Thank you, Mike. We're going to uh, continue in prayer now. Richard is going to lead our intercessions.